0: If you ever heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Well, let me explain. First thing, it's totally free. Like, I mean, totally free. You don't have to pay for anything. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Breaker, Pocket Casts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can make money from your podcasts with no minimum listenership, so, so, so your mom can literally be the only one listening to your podcast and you'll still make money, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Before we get into this episode, I just want to say please ignore any stutters that I make throughout this episode. I was extremely nervous. Okay. Um, This is my first podcast episode with a guest ever. So I was extremely nervous. Steve, if, if you're listening to this, again, I'm sorry for my stutter. I'm sorry it wasn't perfect, but again, you're my first ever guest. Thank you for coming on. I hope you all enjoy. Again, I ignore my, my stutter, right? but I hope you enjoy Steve's story and his father's story. So I hope you all enjoy. Click that subscribe button or whatever. You have to click to get notified every time I, I post a new episode. And I'll see you all later, but just for you in a few seconds. But yeah. Here's Steve. We're ready, so yeah. Um, I don't I, I know how, how to do like a proper intro, so I'm just gonna go ahead and get, uh, get 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 started. So so thank you for coming on the podcast, Steve. Um, how is your day going? It's going great. Uh, great. Actually,
1: right now it's a it's on, I'm in Sedona, Arizona. We am second home here, so it's a beautiful day uh, in the nineties.
0: So it's Sheesh. Warm. I, I used to live in Arizona when, when, when I was littler, but we moved out to Illinois, to where I am now. But, yeah, I, I, I really miss Arizona. I might move, move back out there when I get older, when, when I have enough money in that to get my own house, to get an apartment, all, all of that. Um, but, yeah, okay. Um, excuse my my nervousness. Again, this is the first... Time I've had a guest on my podcast, so yeah, today's guest is Steve Snyder. Um, he after after thirty six years in national sales, he, he retired from Vision Source Plan and Vision service plan. oh sorry, and in two thousand nine, soon after retirement, Steve began his quest to learn more about World War Two. Um, the World War II experiences of his father, who I believe served in World War II. Um, Army or?
1: Army, Air Force.
0: Oh. So so he started in the Army and then transferred to the Air Force? Oh, uh, well,
1: yes. Uh, he was in the infantry for a year before he went to the Air Force. But back during World War II, the Air Force was a separate entity. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Um, uh, his, his father's name was Howard Snyder and his, and the book is about, can, can you explain what the book is about? Your book Shot Down?
1: Yeah, my dad was a B-17 uh, bomber pilot and the book's about, uh, what happened to each member of the crew after their plane was shot down over Melbourne on February 8th of 1944 by two German fighter planes. So the book goes into detail about what happened to each member of the crew, went about all the Belgian people that risked their lives trying to help them? Yeah. Fly with uh, there's a, a B-17 and ten man crew. Five of the crew came home. And five of them did not.
0: Uh, I'm, 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 Unfortunately
1: for me, my dad was one of the five that came home, or else I would.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. um, Tell us about yourself and like your 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 backstory and and why you were inspired to pursue history and all that. Okay, I was born in Pasadena, California, home of the Rose Bowl, and uh, grew up around that area. I went to college at UCLA, and then uh, after I graduated, I did a few uh, odds and ends. Then I uh,
1: I went to work for uh, Vision Service Plan. and As I, you mentioned, they, uh, I was with them for 36 years in sales and sales management. Uh, vision Service Plan, better known as VSP, provides vision cares as employee benefit that corporations offer their employees. I examined my classes in that month. And uh, right now I live in uh, Seal Beach, California, which is about 40 miles south of Los Angeles about 90 miles north of San Diego, I've lived there since 1972, married, have three uh, grown sons. And uh, in 2009, I retired from from VSB. and uh, growing up, I knew the basics of my dad's world war history. I knew he was a V-17 pilot, stationed in England. During the war, the Air Force, his plane was named Susan Ruth, Mm -hmm. to my oldest sister, who was one year old at the time that he went overseas for bombing missions over Europe, and uh, as I mentioned, he was shot down in February of '44, and he was missing in action for seven months, so he evaded capture from the Germans and eventually made it back to England and then back to the U.S. But uh, after
0: I retired, uh, I wanted to kind of go through all the information that my parents had kept from the years. They kept a lot of information. Um, now, which I, is understandable.
1: One was a diary that my dad wrote while he was missing in action. That's Anthony Ruffini, the book I wrote, Shot Down. And the other were all the letters that my, parent, my dad had to my mother while he was stationed in it. And reading those was absolutely fascinating. I became fascinated with the story of my dad and his crew. It became my passion. And Finally, after three years of research, I just came to the conclusion that the story of uh, my dad and his crew was so unique and so compelling that people needed to know about it
0: so I decided to write a book. Have you always been, been fascinated with World War II, or, or, or was your father the main the main inspiration? Well, I've always been.
1: You know, I was born in 1947, and the World War II ended in 1945. But well, I grew up right after the war, and it was a big topic. There were a lot of movies uh, made about uh, the war, and so... Um, I'm also always interested uh, in World War Two. I read a lot of books as a kid about World War Two, so it always had a uh, great influence to me for me. And then you know the story of my dad and his crew was so, so amazing,
0: so unique that that uh, inspired me as well. Did uh, Did you enjoy history class in school? Oh yeah.
1: Uh, history was one of my favorite subjects.
0: Uh, I love history. Yeah. Uh, all, all, all yeah, just not world, world War II, but just uh, the history in, in general. Uh, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and and it's important, it's important too. Apps. Uh hmm Yeah, I, I heard that this famous quote: uh, "Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it." Which, which, which—that's like my main mo- uh, motivation for trying to to understand history, trying to to un- un- understand both the good things that have happened and and the bad things that have that have happened, so that I'm not a part of re- re- repeating the bad things that happened, so, such as obviously during World War II, the Holocaust, obviously. Right. So, I feel like that is very important, especially with. Things that are happening right now with the protests and and riots and all that, we we, we saw this uh, uh, similarly uh, during the civil rights movement. Um, so that is a li- living proof that something that history can repeat itself, and it is repeating itself.
1: Absolutely, I mean, there's people that are
0: trying to erase history yes. today, and you know. History, you have to take, you just can't erase
1: the bad, when you feel is the bad, because that's what you learn. Um, you know, you have to learn what, 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 things went wrong, and what things went right. To try to alter history, to change history, does no good, because as you mentioned, then you're just doomed to repeat
0: it, because mm-hmm. you won't learn from it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. How, how much research did, did you put into your book? Like, how, how, how many years were, were you working on your book for before you thought that this is perfect enough to publish? From the time I decided to,
1: started my research, the time the book was published was four and a half years. Um, I read book after book about the air war over Europe. Uh, I went on a quest to find relatives of all my dad's crew members because they had all passed away. And I was successful in finding a volunteer of all his crew, my dad's crew, and asked them for any information. They could make a letter's picture. newspaper paper article. I went on the internet and spent countless hours doing mm-hmm. research. Historians and they interviewed all these Belgian people and members of the Belgian underground about events that took place in Bobby, my dad and his group. And they documented their testimony. And they gave me unbelievably detailed information that, that would have been lost forever without their dedicated research. So I owe them a, a huge debt. Everything's based on firsthand testimony. What I added to the book was just a lot of historical information and anecdotes about the surrounding the war. To put it in the context, background, it's kind of, you can look at it as two books in one. Actually, one's the story of my dad, who, and the other is uh, a history book about the air over Europe, the Air Force, and World War Two in general.
0: Uh, can, can you tell me more about the Belgian underground? I'm sorry? Uh, can, can, can you tell me more about what, what the Belgian under, un, underground was and what oh, they sorry. did?
1: Yeah, uh, Belgium was occupied uh, for four years during World War II uh, from 1940. Germany invaded uh, the country. And then uh, until the U.S. armies liberated Belgium in uh, September of 1944, for four years they suffered through Nazi occupation and Nazi oppression. And there were a lot of Belgian people or... And occupied countries not Belgium who were sympathizers with the Nazis and helped them, but there were other people that um, hated the Nazis, hated the oppression, and they did everything to kind uh, of disrupt uh, uh, the Nazis' efforts, either uh, non-violent ways or, or violent ways. Uh, uh, after my dad uh, bailed out uh, He's parachuted out. Two of them, uh, them that never killed in the plane when they were attacked by German fighters. Other eight fell out. My Dad fell out. He came down in some, some trees, and uh, his parachute got hung up in the branches. He couldn't get down. And he twenty feet off the ground. Ugh, it was, uh, you know, just. Or the Germans were going to come. And fortunately for him, there were a couple of Belgian. Who came to his rescue before the Germans uh, arrived? They were completely in the area. Uh, and they told my dad to hide because it was, this was during the day and they thought it was too dangerous to try to move him uh, in daylight. That night he came and got him and took him to the farmhouse of one of the two men. They were young, we flanked Raymond Duran. My dad stayed there one night. Uh, he thought it was too dangerous for him to stay any longer than that because. The area. And then after that, uh, he was moved from place to place to place, uh, he might spend one night at a, uh, a house, or he might spend six weeks, it all depended on how brave the people were that lived there, how dangerous the Belgium underground bottom was for him to stay there. Typically when uh, the underground came across down to airmen, either British or American, they tried to get him back through, to, to England in various escape routes. Uh, down through France, over the Pyrenees, into Spain, and then out through British controlled uh, Gibraltar. But something always went wrong trying to get uh, my dad out. The <laughs> people who hit my dad, or uh, any down in front that matter, were unbelievably brave people. They risked their lives. Not only in their lives, but those of their family and friends as well, because if the German secret police, the Gestapo, found out that they were aiding down the airmen, they'd be arrested, tortured, sent to a concentration camp, or shot. And some of the Belgian people to helped my dad and other members of his crew didn't meet that fate. Uh, they really saved my dad's life. My dad said he would let him sleep in their bed, sleep on the floor. They would, uh, everything was rationed by the. Nazis uh, during the occupation, so food was scarce. and they they gave him the majority
0: of the food. So they really took took care of him. Yeah. Uh, When you were a child, did did your father (laughs) when you were a child did your father ever tell you about his his war stories, or did he like to keep those secret? Well, some, but like most World War II veterans, they didn't talk much about the war. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 1989
1: when a memorial was erected to my dad and his crew in a little village of Mackinac, Belgium, just north of the French border, where my dad perished. And, uh, and my dad and the other crew members that were still living at the time went over for the dedication of the memorial. And there my dad was and reunited with all these Belgian people who hit him during the war and visited because of these homes, farmhouses, where he stayed, and that brought it all back. Then he started talking about it uh, after that. Then five years later, in 1994, I made my first trip to Belgium. I've been there six times now. And that's when it became personal for me because I saw all these places firsthand and a couple of the people that hit him.
0: And so that's really when it had an impact uh, on me. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think and, and this is an, an, an a sort of off-topic question, but where where do you think we we would be right now if the, the if things would have went differently, if maybe we would have lost World War Two, well, where where do you think we would be right now? Where do you think your father would have been? Well, uh, for one thing, you know, you know,
1: a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, we were losing the war, the, 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 the Axis powers, Japan and Germany, for the first uh, two years or so, they were winning the war. Um, you know, people who don't study history or World War Two, figure, well, you know, easily won. But it was really cut you out there for uh, a couple of years. Um, Germany was just rolling over Europe, and uh, Japan was just rolling over the Pacific. Uh, in in China, and uh, well, if if we had lost the war, we'd all be speaking German now, basically, and we'd be living in a police state. Um, there's a uh, a series that was uh, I think it was Netflix called uh, Man in the High Castle." Yes, and it was oh. a series, a fun part, any series uh,
0: based on you know. Japan and Germany winning the war, then dividing up the United States into an Nazi part and a Japanese part. I, I, I actually, I was, I was about to tell you about that show. It's actually on, on 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 Amazon Prime, and it's actually re, re, and it was yeah, it it was renewed for a second, a third, and a fourth season. So yeah, I watched all. I watched all the episodes. All the, it, it has to be my favorite show ever, to be honest. <laughs> it 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 was so. Oh, yeah, it not have any of the freedom to actually, free today. I, I actually have no, this book with uh, with me too. Yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, so yeah,
0: um, uh, we, 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 we wouldn't have, you know, there would be no protesting, protests going on because if Germany had won the war and the Nazis were in power, I mean. Any of these protests that have really gone on, people, all those people just would have been shot. You know, the Nazis would have come in and just gunned them all down. I, I know, I don't know if you remember in one of the episodes, uh, there was a, a protest on oil, and the Japanese came in and they and and, and 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 they beat the living shit out of them. Like to be honest, I'm excuse my French, but yeah, no, that's uh, true. I mean, there would be no right uh, assembly, there would be no free speech, there would be no freedom of religion. I mean, you no know, one have be able to have guns, no one, you know,
1: all your rights and freedoms would we wouldn't have to have if you had to win the war. You. People, you know, that's, that 75 years ago, the war ended its fading uh, in people's memory, and we can't let that happen. That's why I, I do what I do to educate uh, the public. People need to know how hard fought these freedoms uh, came, and what price they came. Sixty million people died in World War II, and uh, every country was affected. You know, millions more, millions more were uh, left homeless and displaced. Uh, It changed the course of the world,
0: uh, the U.S. and the world forever. Mm -hmm. But the brave young men who fought and
1: died for freedom, we cannot forget their sacrifice. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Do you think, though, if if we did lose World War II, uh, some Americans would have just dealt with it, per se, and and just gone gone along with it?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, In in every uh, society, there's going to be people that accept the fact and, and go along with it. And like, you know, the, the high castle there would be an underground, you know, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then resistance. Um, but most people would, would uh,
0: probably just go along with, you know, those, those the, the, the brains and just live under oppression. You know, that, that's what people did in, in Europe, when the Nazis controlled uh, so many countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever think about joining the military in your father's footsteps, or no?
1: Well, I was in the army for six years uh, in the National Guard uh, during the Vietnam years, seventy, seventy six. Fortunately, my unit wasn't called up to go to Vietnam, though. Mm. so well, I, I was never on that. But I, I did serve uh,
0: in the army. Yeah. Um, t- tell us about your father. What, what was he? He like as a person.
1: Oh, he was kind of a larger-than-life uh, figure. My, my two
0: older sisters and I, we always compared him
1: to John Wayne. Uh, he was you know, a big guy. He was 6'3", uh, no-nonsense uh, guy, rugged. Uh, but he was a, you know, a man of high morals, uh, devout uh, Christian, uh, believed in hard work. I think that whole generation was like that because they went through not only the war, but the Great Depression. Mm-hmm
0: father, you know, he coached my little league teams and was very supportive and uh, we had a real good relationship okay. um, let's say that that uh, there's a spark and all of a sudden World War 3 breaks out, how do you think the United States would, would deal with it and do you think we would survive
1: well that's a, a, an excellent question Um, you'd like to think that the younger generations of today would, uh, meet the challenge, but I, I don't know if that's the case. Um, you know, everyone's affected by every little thing these days and, uh, if anything happens, you know, people panic and, uh, the world's coming to an end and, you know, I don't know if they have the, the toughness and the grit and the moral fiber to really, uh, do what it takes, uh. Uh, global, you know, war happened again.
0: It's—I I don't know. You know, it's—it's it scary uh, with the way things things are going. Uh, do you think? Cause cause
1: they... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I gonna, you know, you know, was gonna—you know—baby boomers like myself. You know, we were raised by the greatest generation. You know, they believed in uh, principles. They believed in uh, uh, discipline. You know, um, if you did
0: something wrong, you, you know, you spanked. <laughs> yeah. You, or, you, you know, you had consequences if you did something that you shouldn't do. Back when, uh, you know, my generation was growing up, every year, you know, it, it gets more lenient more lenient, you know, instead of, you know, having to do chores or get jobs, you know, it seems like the younger generation as a whole, I'm speaking in general. Yeah. You know, they're on their video games, and uh, they get the slack, uh, uh the work ethic, and the, and the toughness that uh, you need, you know, during hard times. Yeah. Um, I have a, a, a grandmother, and she's German and Danish, so all she does is have to give you the look. The, sure. the, the, the look, and, and, and you know you you, you better get to get out of there, or, or, or else you're going to get your ass whooped. So... Yeah. And that's yeah. happened to me more and more times than I can count. So, yeah. Um Yeah. Um there there there's also another quote by Albert Einstein that that that, that World War four that hold on. Some I'm trying to remember it. Something about World War 3 and then World War 4 would, would, would be fought with sticks and stones. I don't remember the quote, but I think if there, if there, you know, was or would be an
1: atomic, you know, or, yeah, I mean, you know, it, the, the Earth would just be the with all the nuclear weapons that uh, uh, so many countries have.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay, but, okay let's go. I don't, I, you know, the, no the,
1: longer the, the, the Cold War between the Soviet Union and, and the United States, so now it's just uh, basically terrorism is what it
0: amounts to. Okay, so let's go back to World War II. Uh, was it true that the, that the Nazis were developing their own version of the atomic bomb at the, at the as, as at the same time we were developing our atomic bomb? Well, yes, but a lot of the uh, you know,
1: the German scientists you know left the country uh to avoid uh the, the, get under the get uh, from out uh, the thumb of the Nazi. And so you know most of our scientists or the, the and the Russian scientists were German. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's the one started our, our space program after the war. Uh Werner von Braun uh and, I think it was like a group of, I don't know, 100 or more scientists, you know, came over to the U.S. and, uh, he started our space program, you know, NASA. So, <laughs> I mean, and he's even invented, uh, you know, the German 10, he's been, uh, revenge, uh, weapons called the V1 and the V2. Uh, the V2 was actually, uh, the first ballistic missile, um, that the von Braun uh, uh, invented well they uh, yeah they, they were they, they, the Germans invented the first uh, jet airplane uh, heavy Messerschmitt 262 but those were both those weapons were actually felt too late in the war to make much difference mm-hmm. they were nazi Nazis when we were doomed by that time
0: uh-huh um hold on, I'm trying to think of more questions um, whew. I one thing I'll uh, mention uh,
1: after you know, uh, my dad was uh, in action for seven months, he was being hit by the, uh, the Belgians, and he, he was almost discovered several times by the, by the, by the uh, and finally he got, got tired of hiding, and so he decided to join the French resistance mm-hmm. and actually fight against the Germans, uh, which was a very just pray thing to do because he could have died fighting the Germans or if the Germans captured him, he could have been shot on the spot as a, a terrorist.
0: But mm. uh,
1: he wanted to get back into the fight uh, where came that the Allies landed in Normandy. Uh, so he knew that they would be uh, coming up through France or toward, toward Belgium. And unlike most airmen, uh, he had a year's training of, in the infantry, so he knew how to fight on the ground. So he joined to you know, the French resistance, uh, they were called the Maquis, and they were made up of independent right-tag guerrilla groups all over France. Um, in his group, there were about 20 men. They were led by a French lieutenant who escaped from a prisoner of war camp. And they uh, harassed the Germans. They would assassinate German officers and disrupt communications, um, um, sabotage railroad lines, uh, attack uh, German convoys. They were uh, supplied by the British through airdrops, and they got their information from the British uh, through coded messages over the BBC uh, radio. Uh, the British knew everything the Germans were doing because they captured, uh, they broke a German Enigma code. So they knew what the Germans were up to. My dad said. If, they, if the British told them that a German convoy would be coming down this road at this time, on this date, sure enough, it would be there. So my dad fought with them, uh, the French Resistance, for a couple months until
0: the U.S. armies came up through France uh, after D-Day and uh, liberated Belgium. Hmm. And he uh, got back. To it. Okay, uh, oh, hold on a second. Okay, so if your father, what do what, what do you think your father would have said said to you after after you published this book? What what do you think his reaction would have been? Oh, God. Well, I wish he was living when I did publish the book. That would have been a wonderful thing. Um, He would have been
1: very proud um, Mm -hmm. uh, of me and very thankful. uh, uh, He would have been, uh, I guess, flabbergasted. Uh, I would have written a book and it's had as much success as it it had, had and so many people. Know about no, his story and the uh, crew members' uh, stories. Uh, he, would, uh, yeah, he would have been, uh, it would have been something else. He would have been uh, quite, quite proud. Because uh, mm-hmm. I had, you know, he died in 2007, and I didn't even start my research until 2009. I didn't decide
0: to write the book until 2012. I was only, like, like, four in 2007, so... Yeah. Yeah.
1: And my dad, he wasn't the last crew member to die, but he was the oldest in 91. Yeah. And actually, of all the people involved in the shot-down story, the only one who's still alive is Hans Berger, the German Luftwaffe pilot, who shot down my dad's plane, who I interviewed for the book, and we have become friends
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Did he apologize about it, or did he like? Or- well, he didn't. No, he didn't apologize. He said it was too bad that he had to be shooting at each other. And actually, the murders on my dad's
1: plane, John Hans murdered down at the same time that he shot my dad's plane. That's what they shot each other down. He was pretty much just like the U.S. Airman. He was a young guy, twenty years old, uh, fighting for his country, trying to do his job, and trying to stay alive. You know, there was war. um Uh, He was shooting
0: at us, and we were shooting at him. He was shot down actually three times and made
1: it through the war. Most all his friends, pilot friends, were all killed.
0: But but at the same time, he was obviously brainwashed by the party, too, by the Nazi party, too.
1: Well, he really wasn't so much a Nazi. The the German military was really separated into two groups. One was the traditional military, called the Wehrmacht, but then the other was the SS, or what they mm-hmm. call the Armed SS, the Waffen SS. Yeah, and really those were they—they wore black uniforms. The uh, Wehrmacht—they uh, wore, you know, gray or kind of bluish green. Uh, you know, it was the SS who were the guys who were just totally brainwashed and indoctrinated, and they really were the ones that committed almost to the the vast majority of all the uh, atrocities. They ran the concentration camps. You know, they were responsible for the Holocaust. And I mean, it was the most part of the SS. So those are really the, the bad guys. The, the regular military. You know, the, they respected the history of, of military, and they, they had a, a code of, uh, of honor uh, amongst uh, soldiers, so he, he, there's a difference there. As a
0: lot of people that don't study uh, World War II just assume that they were all Nazis yeah. and they were
1: all evil, but
0: that really wasn't the case. So really, uh, they were more loyal to pre-Nazi Germany than than to Nazi Germany? right?
1: The, the SS, they were
0: loyal to Hitler. Mm-hmm. Their allegiance and oath
1: was to Hitler. Yeah. Versus the regular military, their their
0: you know oath and allegiance was the country. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 was there sort of, they, of like they, a they, rivalry? With
1: the Nazi ideal,
0: ideological. Oh, was because there sort they, of like a rivalry between the two, or no? Oh, how oh, 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 was there like a sort of ri- rivalry between the SS and the army, or did did they get along pretty well, seeing as they had different views? No, they uh, the
1: regular army didn't like the SS at all.
0: So, 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 so there was kind of a rivalry. Yeah.
1: It- well, and a lot of these areas, especially like when they were to Russia, uh, the Wehrmacht would would go in, and you know they fight the regular you know conflicts. And the SS they would send in, uh, they would come in, and they would murder all the citizens. Mm. You know, either hang or shoot uh, citizens. So the yeah, the SS was uh, uh,
0: the horrible. Horrible guys. So they murdered them just to murder them, basically. Just to just. You know, I just you know, heard they, a fun they of they it. Weren't, they weren't part of their,
1: you know, Aryan race, uh, you know, whether they're uh, Slavic <laughs> people or Jews or gypsies or uh, the elite, you know,
0: they just. would, you know, they killed 12 million people. hmm. You know, so, yeah. 6 million Jews and, and six million uh, others. yeah um but there obviously would have been that same thing if again, again if they did win World War II, there obviously would have been that same thing going on here in, in North America and throughout That's South so. America yeah um yeah I I, I I really don't have any any more questions again this is the first podcast I've done with. A guest, so it was kind of short, but but yeah, this is where I think we're good right now. So thank you for coming on. Well, thank you. Thanks thank for your interest. No but problem. Like <laughs> we know we need more people like. You. Yes. Yes. I I I actually might my uh get my history major in college. Try to become a history teacher in high school or a history professor. One, what, what, what one of those two? Uh, oh, wonderful! I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Okay. Well. You take care. Thank, thank you. I'm, I'm gonna let you go, Steve. I hope you have a great day. Stay safe, and yeah, thank you for coming.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. you take
0: thank care. care. Okay. Bye. bye. Oops. Okay. So that is the end of this episode. Again I was kind of nervous but thank you all for listening my first guess I hope you all enjoy yourselves again stay safe and I'll see you all later make oh and make sure to click that subscribe button okay or or, or whatever button is there but thank you and I'll see you all later